0: Well, it's day one of this post what would have been March Madness world now. And listen, Syracuse was not going to be in the big dance barring some sort of miraculous run in the ACC tournament. Both you and I know that, you being Tim Leonard, me being <laughs> Tyler Rocky here on the Locked on Syracuse podcast. Check us out on Twitter at LO underscore Syracuse. And hey, you got any questions, got any comments? Tweet the show. We will we could do like a little locked on mailbag at some yeah, point. Yeah, we'd too, love Tim. to. I think that'd be a great, especially now in that we've essentially hit the dog days of summer and it's still March and it's very yeah, cold it's outside still <laughs> and the dog days aren't even upon us, but we're in them pretty early on here and... So we'd love to hear your comments. We've got a lot to get to today because even though... I was going to say, it's dog days, but what a week. (laughs) I know. I mean, we thought we were going to be struggling, not struggling, but we thought we were not going to be actually talking about prevalent news during this coronavirus everything world we live in right now. But we've got so much news. In fact, we're almost on news overload. Syracuse has become, it feels like the NBA of college basketball where you've got unhappy players and they're leaving, they want out, and you've got drama on Twitter. We'll talk about Dior Johnson because that's a huge story, and I think a lot of people are not taking this as seriously as they should for those who don't want to buy into the whole social media stuff with some of these kids. But we'll talk Dior Johnson later on in the show. But, Tim, we start with the transfers. Four guys leave the program in a matter of days, Bryson Goodine, he was the first domino to fall. Then Howard Washington and Jalen Carey also transfer on the same day, a day later. And then mix in, and you probably didn't even hear about this, but Brendan Paul, who was a preferred walk-on on the team, also out from the program. Just a crazy sequence of events in what was only a matter of days.
1: Yeah, all of a sudden, Syracuse doesn't have a backup point guard next year. I thought they were going to have maybe three of them, and now they have They nine. don't even have ten so,
0: players on the roster. Yeah, next year. it's
1: it's not looking good for the backup point guard spot for sure. But, I mean, that's my biggest takeaway, I guess, and that is a, a glaring hole when you consider that Joe Girard, I actually thought, could have some potential to play off the ball as well, and I thought maybe if Jalen Carey came back and he kind of worked into the player that maybe some of us thought, he could— Go off the ball, he being Gerard. but now this becomes a glaring spot in the lineup in the depth chart is that backup point guard spot. And I will say these three guys, not a huge role this year. So on paper, when you say, oh, we just lost half our team or we just lost a third of our team might be overblowing. What is really in my eyes, it it doesn't change next year a ton for me, but having said that it's it's still not a good situation when you lose three guys plus a preferred walk on four guys and it's because they just didn't get the playing time and now you're down your two ESPN 100 guys that were left on the roster Jalen Carey Bryson Goodine that's your two top recruits in the past two cycles and they're gone because they didn't get enough playing time Carey also because he was hurt and Goodine a little bit too you forget about his injuries this year and we had the mask on for a little bit, but still, it's it's tough
0: to see. And this, I'm glad you brought that up because, yes, those guys didn't contribute a ton in terms of actual production. And I think the number you need to know when you look at what's happening with the transfers right now, bench minutes, 18% of Syracuse's total minutes this year that were played came off the bench. That's 349th in the country, all right? That's near dead last in the entire nation. And if you need to know why these guys are filtering out, it's because they weren't given opportunity. Isn't that now amazing, whether,
1: too, real quick? Now, whether that was, yeah. It, with, with all the foul trouble, too, that, that number's just staggering. Because you'd think, given a team that gets in so much foul trouble, they'd have to go to their bench. But it doesn't right. really matter in Beheim's world yeah, a little bit. This is <laughs>
0: what doesn't line up for me, all right? The bench minutes being at... 18%, 349th in the country, and then you've got two-foul participation, which for those who don't know what two-foul participation is, it's one of our favorite Ken Palm stats that you can find, and two-foul participation, basically what it does, we'll use the number 10 to make the math easy here, but it's at the moment you pick up your second foul, let's say you pick it up at the 10-minute mark of the first half, it only takes the remainder of first half minutes that you play, and... So say you play five minutes, fifty percent two file participation say you say say you play seven minutes that's seventy percent two file participation Syracuse at fifty four percent the country average is twenty two percent fifty four percent is sixth in the country. so wow. <laughs> those two numbers don't make a lot of sense. usually when you see two file participation rate at like it, it, it's just a weird kind of thing to have when you're playing all these guys and you're getting them into foul trouble so early on and you're not going to your bench
1: yeah well that's that's the Beheim way I guess and now I saw some jokes on Twitter that you, you can't get complaints about not going to your bench when you don't have one <laughs> and that might He's be got him right where he wants at. him right now yeah I don't know and I think you were starting to hit on it there I'm not too too worried I think when you really take a deep breath here and evaluate what's left of the roster versus what was coming back and what has been lost with these transfers, and that's not to diminish how good of players these guys could become. I just think it wasn't the right fit, and they weren't getting the playing time some would say maybe they deserve. but also they weren't really playing great when they were out there as well. I, I don't think it's that big of a hit as maybe it looks like on paper, but again, I go back to my original point, which is this is still not a good look when everyone just picks up and leaves literally days after the season end. I mean, this was clearly on everyone's mind here. And it goes back to, like, why are we recruiting these guys if they're not panning out and they're not getting the minutes they deserve and then they're just going to leave? And this has
0: been a lot of transfers recently. And the, the crazy thing to go with all of this as well is the fact that what's the common denominator here of these transfers? Point guard, point guard, point guard. Okay? Okay. And you got to wonder, if all these guys are transferring, usually there's something else behind the scenes, too. Is there maybe a coaching change? Yeah. That maybe not necessarily at the head coach level, but at the assistant coach level. Is there someone who's maybe looking at a job somewhere else? And these guys who are expecting to have some of these assistants on staff, like a GMAC, like uh, a Red Autry, like, like Alan Griffin, maybe they were expecting them. Those are the guys that are out recruiting them and doing the bulk of that work. Maybe one of them's on the way out, and maybe one of these guys follows them to wherever they go, or maybe they go and find a program that they view as an equal to Syracuse. Maybe Rick Pitino, Iona. And, <laughs> right, exactly, at Iona, or, or a place that they see that they can slide in and get the minutes that they think they deserve. Yeah,
1: I saw our pal Matthew Gutierrez, who we're going to try and have on later on this week, I'm sure we will, over at The Athletic. He came out with a list of, and he was kind of the one that was supporting all this before it sort of hit the news, and he's even reported one other guy might be in the mix that we can get to later, but... Goody and the Scoops game. Yes, he's he's all over it, as he usually is, and he came out with a a list of schools that Bryson Goodine is kind of interested in, included like TCU, Marquette, some relatively... Nebraska was in there, too. Yeah, some good schools, and he's a good player, and maybe he should have gotten a little bit more playing time, and honestly... If you're him and you're looking at Joe Girard shooting some of the shots that he did, and I like Girard, but there's a case to be made that Girard got a pretty strong leash when that is very uncharacteristic of Beheim with freshmen particularly. I mean, Girard was shooting shots that Beheim throws his jacket at, and his defense on the other end, particularly at the top of the zone, was not great either. He's got pretty quick hands, gets some steals, but he wasn't getting out on shooters as much as Bayheim wanted him to. And he still played a lot of minutes, mainly because he proved he could score the basketball early, unlike some of these other guys. And he could hit shots. He hit some big shots for them. And I, and that's why I am go back to I'm a defender of him. He scored 30 points in a conference game when they really needed him and then followed it up with 22 or 23 in the next game. So he deserved minutes. But if you're Goodine or Washington and even Carey, who couldn't really play this year, but you're looking at. He Gerard took his spot at the start of the season after Carey made some mistakes against Colgate, and that was a quick leash for him. And you know, maybe you can make the case Gerard didn't have that quick of a leash when it's all said and done.
0: It's interesting because we know Behe and I would just say Hall of Fame coaches in general have short leashes when it comes to freshmen, right? And when you look at some of the things Gerard went out there and did, I mean, forget the fact that he's playing. For a Hall of Fame, I mean, we don't see freshmen in general get that sort of leash. I mean, even at the even at like the mid major or or other Power Five programs, senior Frank Howard didn't get that leash, (laughs) right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah,
1: and I don't know what it was,
0: but yeah. And listen, if I'm good, Iron, and I see. Him not playing defense at the time. Hell, if I'm Howard Washington. I mean, Howard Washington knew that zone, it seemed like, better than anyone else on the roster. And he sees what's happening defensively out there, and he sees his team with one of its worst defensive units out there in the past five years, and he's just kind of stuck there on the bench thinking that I can probably help this, but I'm not getting the opportunity to help this. Then, yeah, it makes sense if he's going to bowl, and I don't blame him for bowling. Yeah.
1: I mean, I think Howard Washington, and I don't mean this with any disrespect, I actually think he's one of my favorite players on the team to watch. To he was my for. favorite player that I yeah, he especially was years basketball, and yeah. he got that Bob Bradley Award, which was so well deserved yeah. at the ACC mm-hmm. tournament. And again, I everyone raves about how he's going to be a coach someday, and he's got this great basketball mind on the team, and I think he deserves all that. But to me, what stood out about this is Carrie and Goodine because. Those were two guys that came into this program as the highest rated recruits in each of the past two classes, in their respective classes, and the expectations were high for those guys, and you can see the talent is there when they're playing, but for whatever reason, it did not pan out, and that's where it goes back to a thing that everyone likes to nitpick at when your program's not doing well, which is player development, and look, if you're not getting Really anything out of your two best recruits in the last two cycles, you're in a bad spot. Now Syracuse has no ESPN 100 players on their roster. I mean, talk about a talent deficiency compared to the rest of the ACC schools. UNC has got eight or nine of these guys each year. Right. And I, yeah. know, I know they're not going to get to UNC overnight, but they used to be not that far off here. And this talent gap is only getting wider when players are leaving because they're not getting the playing time they thought they deserved or they wanted.
0: All right, well, I mean, we've hit on these four guys that are all leaving. But guess what? It might not be done right there. The transfer avalanche may continue. We'll tell you who that other name is next. All right, so get this, Tim. Over the last four years, the Orange has now had nine guys with eligibility remaining transfer away from the program nine in four years you want to run through that list real quick we can do it not really but go for it (laughs) so Caleb Joseph Torian Thompson Matthew Moyer the four guys who we we mentioned last segment there's seven Brayden Bayer and Geno Thorpe How about that? Did he even transfer? He just picked up and left. Yeah. (laughs) But he had eligibility remaining, obviously, when he he leaves right before he left right before the Kansas game. He pulled a Ryan Alexander
1: before it was even Ryan (laughs) Alexander. (laughs)
0: Yeah, exactly. So those are some staggering numbers. And guess what? We may see that figure get up to 10. Matthew Gutierrez who was on the ball with those other four guys that we mentioned in the first segment of today's podcast. He he also alluded that Robert Braswell is another name that could be on the way out for this Syracuse program. Now, Braswell has only appeared in 19 games over his two years, missed the bulk of this season with a shin injury that really limited his ability to jump and, and just... I mean, be a basketball player. We know how important it is to be able to use your leaping ability in the game of basketball. His numbers obviously aren't very impressive. That's just the nature of the beast when you play 19 games and you never average more than seven minutes per game. He he averaged two points. He averaged a little under one rebound over his two seasons. He did have that one game though, Tim, and I know you remember this one because you were there. It was against NC State. His freshman season, when he goes out, I think he got, what, three steals? And kind of propelled Syracuse back into a game where they were down double digits and pulled right back into the thick of things. Then it seemed like he really went away in the second half, and the Orange just weren't the same team with him not in the game. So we really don't know what Robert Braswell is, and frankly, we don't even know if he's confirmed to be transferring away from the program, but... These are the rumblings that we're reading right now, and I mean, for a team that's searching for bodies right now, you really hope that Robert Braswell's sticking around.
1: Yeah, if for him, you would think it's not going to be plain time-based, because if Hughes leaves, like I think basically everyone listening to this podcast and you and I think is going to happen, if he goes to the NBA draft and goes to the NBA, Elijah Hughes, then Braswell's your small forward. Like, he's... I don't think he's going to start, because I think they'd still start Garrier, and then they put Doljai and Sidibe, and kind of keep with that line that had some time in the back half together this season, but Braswell is going to get significant minutes, because he's like your only small forward on the roster. I guess Woody Newton kind of classifies in that forward range, too, one of the incoming freshmen, and they have options, but there's no way... that I would consider Braswell wouldn't see a significant jump in playing time if Elijah Hughes leaves. Now he has battled injuries and it's just, it's kind of like Sidibe when he's healthy, it feels like he can contribute. You think of the exhibition games before this year, I know it's exhibition play, but he was knocking down three pointers and giving people a lot of optimism about him in particular going into this year and about the wide range of three point shooters that Syracuse had. And then it turned out, really only three guys could shoot the three by the, by the end of the year. So you'd like to have him to bring that spark back. It's just his athleticism, his scoring ability. He has to get healthy. His length, too? Hopefully he will. Yeah, his, he's got great length. I mean, there's a lot of things from a physical tool set that he fits great into the Syracuse system. And it would be a shame if, again, he left and we never really got anything out of a decent recruit. He's not anyone that's an ESPN 100, but... He has talent. He has potential. And you, you just like to see a guy like that stay to make an impact on a team because then what's the point of even getting his commitment at the end of the day if he's not going to make that much of an impact?
0: Defense was certainly his calling card. And for a team that struggled so much on that end of the ball, you, you'd really hope that you'd have some sort of continuity there going into next season. Although he didn't play, he's been in the system for two years now. He knows what what he's getting into, and, and you can probably feel a decent sense of confidence throwing him out there on the floor. But, I mean, it, it's going to be a strange collection of guys. Again, no ESPN top 100 guys on this roster heading in to next season. An ESPN 100 guy yeah. may be on the way to Syracuse in a couple years, but... There is speculation that may say he may not be. His name's Dior Johnson. You and I both know him. All of Syracuse Nation knows him. And he was pretty active on social media this past week. Not just in posting, but in some other things he did. Tim and I are going to put on our social media sleuth hats coming up next. Alright, so now that we're kind of all quarantined right now, Everyone's got a lot of time for social media. Everyone's got a lot of time for thinking, a lot of time for doing kind of whatever you want within the friendly confines of your own home. That includes Dior Johnson right now. And that includes you, Tim Leonard, because (laughs) you kind of started the fire here. Want Uh, to explain yourself to the people?
1: Well, I didn't start it. I I didn't mean to. I mean, look, I also write over at Orange Fizz and... I tweeted out from the Orange Fizz account just the facts, which was Dior Johnson this week. It was already talked about. It wasn't like I was the first person to notice this, but it was already going through the ether a little bit that he had deleted some Syracuse related Instagram photos, really all Syracuse related, all of the Syracuse related Instagram photos that were on his account originally, and including the one when he committed and stuff. And then he took out Syracuse commit from his Twitter bio. So I thought. You know, I'll just send out a tweet on Orange Fizz. And I started it. I prefaced it by saying it could be nothing. I said, could be nothing. But Dior Johnson Game has something out. So, well yep, done. I did. That's the that's the key in these. No, situations. That's always
0: the number one rule of being a social media sleuth like you and I. both are. <laughs> right. It's number one rule. That's w- that's where you get your Sherlock hat.
1: Yeah. So I said, could be nothing. Dior Johnson has deleted some Syracuse related Instagram post and removed Syracuse commit from his Twitter bio. That's all I said. And you know, most, most of the comments we got originally were people saying, I think that is something. And a couple of people said, let's not read into it too much. And I I hear that too. I, I wasn't necessarily saying I expected Dior Johnson to decommit, but I was just presenting the facts. Just, I left myself that out. And then DR Johnson got wind of it and quote tweets it and says, bra, chill, this is just social media, the crying face emoji, don't let it run your world, dot, 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 this nonsense, thumbs down. So the good news in this is Dior Johnson is not decommitting, based on that, anytime soon. Yes, we've got two more years, probably shouldn't have been thinking that anyway. It's going to be the
0: longest two years of Orange fans' lives. Yes,
1: seriously, it would have just been devastating news after... What's going on in the nation, what's going on in the world? And then you get four guys, maybe a fifth, as we talked about, are transferring. Who knows? I mean, that would have been a tough, tough blow to lose another backcourt guy who we thought was going to be a mainstay for the future. And obviously, he would be if he came and played at Syracuse. But he has since deleted that tweet. So if you want to go try and find it, you can't. His quote tweet. So he's deleting, he's scrubbing some more stuff from his social media. Right. So. Take with that what you want. He's a sophomore in high school. He's a 16-year-old kid. This is not that uncommon. But I will say, usually that leads to, it's kind of the first sign or one of the first things to go when someone does decommit or transfer or have some disdain with the program.
0: In pro sports as well, whenever these guys are about to get traded to or something's going wrong with them within their organization... What's the first thing to go? It's always going to be some of these Instagram posts, it feels like. If, yeah, it's like when you break up with a, with
1: a boyfriend or right, a girlfriend. Yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> I mean, you got so. pictures with your ex on your Instagram? I might no, actually. I might have, have to stuff. scrub it. I don't have much, so. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe you archive it in case you end up getting back together and then you can just slide it back. Yeah, see that? All, all you old people out there, you probably didn't even know you could archive Instagram posts. So, And then you see all these other people, whether they're fans, their bloggers, whoever, they start kind of chiming in against you, Tim, and against this, not report that you're putting out there, but you're you're stating facts, and they're kind of saying it's not a problem, and I would say that the common denominator amongst the crowd that is revolting against the possibility that Dior Johnson won't come to Syracuse because He did some scrubbing of his social media. They didn't have social media when they were in high school. Okay. We'll put it that way. And Mm -hmm. and they're the ones that are trying to pull off the like, don't look too deep into this. It's just social media. Listen, Tim, you and I both grew up with our social media accounts in high school. This is something. All right. You don't just scrub your bio unless something's happening. You don't delete tweets, delete posts unless something's really happening. Okay, and I give the the comparison here. Have you seen the TikTok video going around with the the Cardinals, St. Louis Cardinals? That they have a bunch of baseball writers and they get in a line and like they're doing this dance to a, to a song. No, And see, now like I see all sound these old young guys. I have not all seen all these that. young people <laughs> going through the line, and then the last guy in the line is just this old baseball writer, and he just completely botches the dance, but he's he's the punchline <laughs> of it, and it's kind of like making fun of the the older. Writers, that's good, and I mean that's kind of it. I don't feel like they are as in tune with what is happening and the way that kids use social media. I just don't think they are.
1: Yeah,
0: look, it was maybe
1: slightly an overreaction. Obviously, hindsight bias, as it might have been a little bit, but I like that's often what starts this stuff. And all I was saying was, this is what's out there. This was what was what we noticed, and. I mean that's just the facts of it. So the good news is it looks like he's not going anywhere, and that would have been a really tough. At least for to now,
0: right? Yeah, yeah, for now,
1: for now is the key
0: it's, word. So yeah, it's gonna be a long two years, that's for sure. But again, he he's verbally committed to the Orange for now. A lot can change over the next seven hundred plus days. Who knows? If he ever ends up wearing the orange and white, who knows who his head coach is going to be? I mean, there's so. I mean, we've given the context before. Buddy Behnheim will not be on the roster when yeah. Dior Johnson comes unless he reclassifies or something of that like. But we, I think you and I are still in the camp that we're not as optimistic, and it's not because of anything in Dior's personality. It's just the fact that we both recognize he is a damn good basketball player. And we both recognize that the NBA draft rules are probably going to change between now and when he comes to college. So when you put two and two together, it doesn't make a lot of sense if he is going to actually go to school. But as we've mentioned, there can be positives to having Dior Johnson associated with your program because it seems like he's going to do a lot of recruiting for a lot of these other players. So... Who knows? Maybe he ends up, maybe he doesn't play for Syracuse, but maybe he's a reason why someone else commits to Syracuse and ends up playing for the Orange one day. And whether it's the Chance Westries, whether it's Donovan Klingon, or any of these other guys. Again, Dior Johnson is good pub for the the program. It's just, we don't know if he's actually going to end up being a guy who plays inside the Dome one day.
1: Yes. So anyway, Dior, if you're listening, I'm sorry if I upset you on Twitter, but I'm glad that you're. Uh... Look at Tim getting pe- getting kids in trouble these days. <laughs> well, what are you doing, man? I mean, they're I 16. Come on, what are you doing? I know you didn't have to expose me and say I started the fire, but now I've, I feel now like I got I feel to like... Dumb myself over here.
0: But now I feel like that's good. That's good pub for the pod, though. That like we <laughs> yeah. have the guy who started hey, the fire. Like Dior, up, let's talk up it the out. Song. We didn't start yeah. the fire. Like get get a little get the billy joel rolling like come on like, that's you tim you 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 started the fire all right okay all, all right. right say what any you last want. thoughts any last no, thoughts no I, I think uh i think we got a lot to talk
1: about this week even though yeah. we maybe didn't think so so we'll try yeah. and get uh james zuba on this week matthew gutierrez yeah, james
0: zuba we're gonna do something fun with him probably gonna come out thursday or friday but just yeah. an overall and Honestly, in order to do this, we kind of need the dust to settle as well. We don't know exactly what's going to happen between now and Thursday or Friday whenever we want to record that podcast with him. But we kind of want to do a state of the program with James because – he he's very tapped into the history and, and all that stuff, and he, he knows his stuff. He He's just a good Syracuse. If you don't follow him on Twitter, be sure to do that because he's always pumping out good content. Not just Syracuse, though. He He's all of college yeah. basketball as and well. And he doesn't I found attack out today he's got year <laughs> old kids, so that's good too. <laughs> I, I found out today he has Seton Hall season tickets as well. So oh, wow. We'll, we'll have to get uh, some Miles Powell uh, takes yeah. from him as well. Some and, Torian and Thompson takes. Stuff. Yeah, exactly. So we're hoping to have him later on in the week. We're going to line up some other guests as well throughout the week and the weeks coming. We're also going to at some point evaluate the transfer market because that's certainly something Syracuse is going to need to tap into over these next couple of months. Whenever they can resume basketball activities, whether it be recruiting or, or getting in the gym visits, all that kind of stuff. Of course, there's bigger things going on in this world right now that's kind of put basketball on the back burners. But hey... You need your distractions. We need them too. And this is kind of our community to talk about it here on the Locked On Podcast Network. So definitely look out for all that stuff. We mentioned Matthew Gutierrez. Hopefully going to be on the podcast tomorrow. If not tomorrow, definitely sometime during this week. I did get a verbal commitment from him. All right. And Matthew Gutierrez's (laughs) verbal commitments are always better than Darius Baisley's verbal commitments. I can assure you that, all right? We've got the Locked On ACC podcast as well, so check that out on the Locked On podcast network. So give them a listen as well after you're done with this podcast. For Tim, I'm Tyler. We will talk to you tomorrow.